0: Danielle Houston. I'm a health and welfare advisor at Locked In Companies. This is my podcast, The Checkup, and I have Zach Snyder back with me today for a legislative update here in Washington State. The session is now closed. It was the long session. April 25th was the day that it concluded, and I will let Zach really get to our headline. But The headline today for us really starts with a big change in the communication and a big change in where we thought things were going to be a year ago to where they are today as far as the budget. So, Zach, welcome back, and let's get into it.
1: Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. Um, You're right, Danielle. The headline for the session is that the state passes a record budget, a $59 billion two year budget. This is a world away from where we thought we were going to be in the summer of 2020. If you remember when we talked last year, the state projected a massive shortfall in in state revenues coming through. So we thought higher, really? Yeah, so we thought that there was going to be less money available for the state and that the budget would be flat or maybe even less But because of increased revenue collections in in the form of taxes, online shopping, home sales, you might have read a little bit about those two things. In addition to the American Recovery Plan and the CARES Act, so federal dollars coming to the state, the state posted a massive surplus and they passed a budget at $59 billion for a two-year cycle, which is a record for the state.
0: And I think it's worth noting that budget itself wasn't released in full text until April 24th. I think maybe around noon that day. Is that about right?
1: I can't remember the exact time, but the the final negotiated budget did come out on the 24th. Uh, individuals like me who uh, read these things, it was uh, 1,100 pages. And uh, that's the amount of time that we had to fully digest the budget before Uh, the senators and the representatives took the final vote, passed the legislation and sent it to the governor's desk for him to sign.
0: Yeah. So it came out on the 24th, voted on the 25th. Did you get through those thousand plus pages? Uh,
1: I might've used control F on my computer (laughs) to look at those things that I was most interested in reviewing uh, in the budget. Uh, But I did read a lot in the budget, particularly on healthcare issues and on some of the new tax um, implications that we're gonna be talking about in, in just a few minutes.
0: Yeah, well, and that's a great segue. There was a lot of major legislation Despite the surplus. So, you know, I think practically this time last year, we were thinking there would need to be new taxation to cover a shortfall. Instead, we had a surplus, but we still saw some big things come through to increase the state revenues. And the biggest, probably most meaningful of those was that capital gains tax. So, what say you?
1: Well, there was several tax proposals, and the biggest tax that got through is the capital gains tax. This tax is a 7% tax on gains over $250,000 in a calendar year. State economists project that this tax will impact just 8,000 residents in the state of Washington, but there's sure to be a court challenge on this tax. And Proponents believe that this is a tax that can lead uh, in a future session or maybe a future initiative or referendum uh, to a full-on state income tax. That is yet to be seen. But this legislation is slated to raise over a billion dollars in a two-year cycle. So it is a significant tax to be added on top of the surplus funds that the state projects to be available to it uh, over the next four years.
0: What happened to the covered lives tax?
1: The covered lives tax failed. If you remember the last time we talked, there was a covered lives tax, which would be a $3.25 per person per month tax on every line of business, including large employers, which typically are not regulated by the state, to fund a $200 million uh, fund for foundational public health services, which are a collection of, of around eight or so Um, core public health activities. Uh, There was significant pushback led in large part by employer sponsored plans and union plans coming to legislators saying this tax will raise costs for our low income employees and our struggling employees and it's not a good idea to tax healthcare during a pandemic. Uh, the tax failed. Uh, instead, legislators looked to the state budget, and they funded the program through existing funds, taking into account surplus funds.
0: Good. Yes, this Covered Lives tax was one that I also testified against with the professional association that that I am also um, involved with, and it was really encouraging to see the number of employers, you know, these large organizations that you're speaking of but also small and mid-sized employers represented talking about what kind of an impact this would have especially you know when their business has not recovered from covid and you know they took health increases anyway on their policies and they did so all things considered so um, there was definitely more of a call for legislators to help employers as opposed to increasing the taxes. But one of the things I think you might get to a little bit later is that, you know, this has been a theme with taxation and healthcare, and we expect that to continue um, as the new session will eventually start in 2022.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What about the carbon tax bill?
1: The carbon, the carbon tax bill sets up a new uh, program to tax carbon, but before it goes into effect, it requires the legislature to reconvene to pass a gasoline tax. So it puts together a plan for a plan, essentially. Uh, however, the governor is selling the bill as a massive win. Uh, it is the first of its kind in the country. Uh, so we'll see if legislators come back and pass the gasoline tax that will um, put this plan into motion. And if you remember next year in the next legislative session in 2022, that is an election year. So legislators will be making their um, decisions during the session and then once they leave the legislative session will immediately get into campaign mode. Uh, and so they in those years they hesitate to pass taxes because that's not a good message to voters. Uh, And there's going to be increased uncertainty in 2022, as opposed to most years, because uh, the state will have completed its redistricting process. And we have brand new congressional districts and brand new legislative districts. Washington did not get any new congressional districts this census cycle. uh, But we will be redrawing the lines on the basis of where people moved. So we're going to see Uh, certain boundaries move, and that's going to potentially impact who sits in those seats. You could have a a safe uh, seat turn into a competitive seat. You could have a competitive seat turn into a safe seat, depending on the the politics of, of that area. And you're seeing this on a nationwide level as well during the census. California, for the first time ever in the history of the state, the state got started in the 1830s or 40s, lost population. And because of that, they gave up a congressional district to the state of Minnesota, which gained. Oregon gained a seat. Montana gained a seat. Montana lost a seat in the 90s. They've gained population sufficient enough for them to gain a seat. New York lost a seat. New York lost a seat seat by the smallest margin we've ever seen in the history of the United States, 86 people. If they had 86 more people, they would have been able to keep their 27th congressional Seat. So that happens at a smaller level on the statewide uh, level, where if someone, if, if there's a population that moves out of, of Seattle, for example, Seattle loses legislative districts and they move to another part of the state. So it, it's an interesting dynamic that, that we'll see. And those final results will come out next year before the 2022 election.
0: Interesting. And my big takeaway from that is that maybe it will save us from another gas tax, at least. Maybe in the short run, but that's something that we should all be following. There Um, is now a good time for us to talk about the spending part because you know, usually the state bringing in more revenue means that they have already made big plans for how they're going to spend it.
1: Yeah, so on the healthcare side, we talked about public health spending, and that's a big deal. So, public health obviously a worthy cause during a nationwide and worldwide pandemic. I'm glad that the state chose to fund that through general funds because public health is something that everyone in our state benefits from. So it should be funded through the broadest possible source instead of an employer-based healthcare tax, which is what a lot of the opponents of the covered lives tax came forward with. Uh, but another spending piece related to healthcare that's that's interesting to take a look at is uh, a program to stand up state-based premium subsidies for low-income individuals. So this is $100 million to supplement uh, individuals' ability to purchase healthcare on their own. So if you're not eligible for Medicaid, which one-fourth of our state is on, 25% of people in the state, if you're just above that threshold, You can draw down on new state funds to purchase on the healthcare exchange. You can pair this new funding with increased federal tax credits to help you purchase your your healthcare on the exchange, $37 billion in increased tax credits nationwide, not just to Washington for that program. That was passed on a temporary basis for a two-year cycle. Uh, But looking at Washington, D.C., talking with my connections there, the expectation is, there will be another package passed to make these uh, increased uh, subsidies permanent?
0: So obviously that would be big steps forward in making healthcare more accessible, at least for a population of folks who, you know, are below the poverty level. One of the, or I guess two interesting points that you talked about that would you would see as being the next sort of steps forward, then is looking at the accessibility and plan designs.
1: Uh, Yeah, because the federal government and the state have stepped up to provide that funding and we're seeing more competition in the healthcare space, we do expect prices to go down in some ways over the next year or so, at least premiums in certain markets. Because of that, legislators are beginning to look at other aspects of, of health care, and that includes plan design, which you alluded to. Um, so, for example, in the Cascade Care legislation, which is the state's public option plan, a, a second round of changes went through in this session. And what they did in this uh, uh, second round of changes is they prohibited the uh, health insurance companies from uh, designing unlimited amounts of their own plans. So it puts a cap on the amount of uh, insurance company design plans and favors state design plans. And this progress is called active purchasing. It's something that uh, the state of California uses in in its individual market. And I expect things to move more in that direction uh, over the next several years. Um, Some other things I think are worthwhile for your listeners are attempts to uh, collapse risk pools into each other to subsidize uh, higher cost pools with lower cost pools. So for example, the state could require that the small business market, which is a lower cost pool as compared to the individual insurance market to be one risk pool um, as a way to subsidize individuals in those pools, which would have the effect of Raising costs in the small employer market. Um, so those are those are things to I think pay pretty close attention to. Um, other things we could see is on the state purchasing side, where they have, of course, all the authority in the world to design their own health plans. Uh, maybe they combine uh, pools together: the, the state in, the state public employees with the state school employees. There was a report released um, just last year about the feasibility of. Combining these pools together, um, that's another thing to pay very close attention to going forward.
0: That would make a lot of sense, at least here in our state. Um, So, any other predictions you have? Um, What about a special session this summer? You know, that was something we talked about last year, but, Mm -hmm. you know, this year, do you think there's any likelihood?
1: I don't think that there is. We saw a threat of a special session um, when uh, legislators in Tacoma were upset that King County was able to stay at its phase for the reopening and Pierce County was treated differently. Um, But that concern seems to be alleviated now with the new CDC guidance and the governor's announcement that the state will be reopening fully by June 30th at the latest. I don't think that there's going to be a special session but I think looking at predictions, the 2022, legis- or the 2022 election will be uh, an interesting election to watch because I believe there's a potential that uh, there will be a, a very slight swing away from the progressive track we've been on. And the reason why I say that is because historically, the, the president's party loses in the midterms. So you have President Biden, he's a Democrat, and we have a midterm coming up. And so historically, uh, the president's party tends to tends to lose. Uh, number two is when you look at the seats that are up for election in the Senate, there are several swing-type districts that are up, and uh, there's the potential for uh, you know, maybe a more business oriented type of legislator to come in and win that district. So I think that looking at the future, there's the potential um, that there could be a slight change in the makeup of the legislature in, in 2023. I don't think a huge change, but I think something slight and something noticeable.
0: Okay. Well, I think, um, you know, we we talk often on these updates about you know the pendulum swinging back and forth always looking for you know balance and you know how we see one side really creating the the balance that's necessary for a democracy to uh, to work yeah. and function so I guess we welcome all kinds of different voices and opinions to the table to make sure everyone is represented. And, you know, before we conclude this, too, I think one thing that I want to also bring into this update is the Washington Long-Term Care's Trust, Long-Term Care Trust Act. Um, You know, it's something that on the broader health care space, we hadn't talked too much about here since this was long-term care and a little bit separate, but it is certainly notable for anyone in Washington, anyone who works in Washington, that we will have another premium collection starting in January for A benefit. And, um, you know, I think most of us are calling it a tax. And, you know, that tax is going to be 0.58 of every $100. And there is no cap on the payroll that the state will tax. Your employer is going to be required to collect and remit that, just like, They have been required for paid family medical leave. It's solely going to be an employee funded um, benefit as well. So it's really important that employers be educating their people on this because, you know, we predict that there will be a lot of surprises in our state. And maybe one of the biggest surprises and heartaches for people is that, There is not a lot of opt-out opportunity for this. In fact, there's only a one-time window that you can have a long-term care policy in place or some kind of a policy that has a long-term care rider. And you have to have that in place prior to November 1st of this year in order to be um, alleviated of that tax. If you miss that window, that's it. And on the flip side, if you opt out now, you can't opt back in at some other point. So a lot of fine print that goes along with that. Um, I'll be addressing that on the checkup um, early part of June. There's still a lot of rulemaking around that, of course. But that was another hot topic in this session because legislators were hoping to really cut that opt-out window down. And there's a lot of concern, of course, about you know, funding enough to actually pay out long-term care benefits. So uh, we'll get into more detail on that on a different episode, but definitely uh, be looking to that. And certainly over the summer and as we get into the fall, uh, one of the things that uh, Zach and I really are focused on, um, you know, through this podcast, but also through a professional association is working to engage other brokers and employers in bringing voices together that can be heard in Olympia specific to healthcare. That's where we really saw success in, in, you know, changing the course of some of these taxes in this last session. And we know that the voices that are really heard and are I don't want to say they're necessarily more valued in Olympia, but they certainly ring louder are the voices of employers and what the impact is to your payroll and to your people when there are um, more taxes, more payroll taxes, and more things like long-term care taxes and benefits as well. So we are really gonna be focused on rallying people together. And as always, you can connect with Zach directly, you can reach out to me, Um, but that's gonna be one of our fun projects over the next six months, right, Zach?
1: Yeah, thanks for plugging that. It's going to be an effort to engage the broker community and employers to bring their real voices to legislators to talk about these consequential policy issues. Uh, There's enough lobbyists walking around Olympia, real people uh, need to talk with legislators about the impact to their businesses and to the cost of health care, because uh, some of these policies that we've seen would have a significant impact on that, particularly the covered lives tax. We've been talking ad nauseum about that policy, but it's such a great example of the power that employers can, can bring on this when we saw small businesses, associations, and unions um, oppose uh, a tax on, on health care.
0: It was very um, it was really rewarding to see people from all kinds of different industries and all different company sizes really bring their um, their passion about really keeping healthcare care costs lower and accessible for people who get their health care through their employer. So I think it lends itself to really what the possibilities are for making sure that all voices are heard in Olympia. So we'll look forward um, to working more on that project together and um, inviting anyone who is interested in being heard or learning more about how the process works to connect with us. Fair enough, Zach?
1: Yeah, sounds great.
0: Well, thank you for joining me again for another update. Uh, these are always some of my most frequently listened to and listened to down the road. So I expect, you know, even from now until the fall, people will tap into this to hear what you've predicted and to hear your summary of what has happened in Olympia in this last session. So thank you for contributing your expertise and talking with us about these things. And as always, I invite you to connect with us. And as always, take good care.